I know 50% of my marketing activity is working. I just don't know which 50%, right? And we're <laughs> trying to answer those questions with really in-depth business intelligence tools and analytics across social. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Welcome, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity really to speak to entrepreneurial business leaders and influencers. I was just talking with our guest a minute ago, and I, I always love just hearing new stories that as many times as we kind of see a consistent theme or see things going on in the podcast, it's everybody's got their own unique story and their own unique take on it. And today's guest is actually uh, in the analytics business. So this is one where I know we've talked on multiple times about making sure you're running your business on numbers, making sure there's decisions based upon numbers. So we'll definitely dive into that here, but this will be a, a fun interview. But speaking of which, I've got James Creech here with Measure Studio out of California. So welcome, James. And welcome to the show. And thank you for taking a few minutes of your time. Thanks, Jeff. Pleasure to be here. So Tell us a little bit more about, about Measure Studio and what you got going on these days. Yeah, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Measure Studio, which is a social analytics tool to help understand content performance across Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Snapchat. So we help media companies, politicians, uh, celebrities, and influencers understand what content is performing really well, what content could be improved. So we're benchmarking all of the you know, social media activity and helping you understand how do I improve my performance over time. Yeah, that's that's great because I, I I'm no means an expert by any means in, in online advertising and stuff like that. But you hear kind of the, the horror stories of people setting up. I'm going to go run an ad, and all of a sudden they run up a thousand dollar bill, kind of a thing here, and didn't didn't get anything in from an ROI perspective there. So that's a that's a big one that I think is probably scary, honestly, for a lot of people. There is okay, how do I really get in there without blowing my budget and, and not getting anything out of it? So seeing the numbers on that's that's really critical for sure. 100%. You know, in our business, there's the old adage that, you know, I know 50% of my marketing activity is working. I just don't know which 50%, right? And we're <laughs> trying to answer those questions with really in-depth business intelligence tools and analytics across social. Yeah. And I bet even when you're talking about all the different platforms available today, it's it's probably not even 50% there. 50% may be optimistic. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So, Tell us a little bit. I think you were saying earlier on the, the company is about two years old. So where, where did how did this kind of come about? What was your introduction into social media analytics? Yeah. So, it, you know, started my career a little over a decade ago working in paid media. So it was helping brands and media agencies run ad campaigns uh, around the dawn of, of social networks and, and helping them figure out, you know, YouTube and Facebook in the early days. And of course, that's exploded now to Instagram and TikTok, Twitch, Twitter, all these other platforms but uh, had good foundation on, on the, the buy side with uh, the brands, then worked at a really early influencer network and agency kind of model here in, in the US, uh, focused on gaming and comedy talent, helping them grow their careers, work with advertisers. And you know, six, seven, eight years ago, we were doing everything manually. It was all spreadsheets and screenshots. So yeah. that was what inspired my partner and I to, to launch our first venture um, called Paladin. So we build influencer marketing software for brands and agencies. And then over the years, you know, as we've been building technology for uh, social media analytics, we realized 
you know, hey, there aren't really good solutions to help people understand their content performance and, and optimize that over time. So uh, it started really as a, as a kind of an experiment, right? So how can we learn from what people are doing today and, and what can we do to make their lives easier? And quickly realized, okay, there's a business here. There's a whole full-fledged product. So we've been in development on that for two, two and a half years and now um, racked up some early wins out of our beta program and excited to kind of announce the public launch. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting, honestly, hearing everybody's story kind of a thing because a lot of times people get into it different ways. But yeah, especially the, it, a lot of it turns into and what I see with business leaders is it's the, we, we saw a need, we saw a product, we saw a hole in the market, let's go build a business for it. It wasn't a case and, and rightfully so. I think that really should be the case most times. It's not one where you say, hey, I'm going to go build a business and let's go find a market, find a product. That's a lot of times you're kind of cart before the horse there for sure. I agree, right? It's start with a pain point. And ideally, if you've experienced it, then yeah. you're, you're a practitioner, right? That's the best example where you know you, you feel uniquely positioned to solve this problem. It's, it's a 10x problem where you know that there's value in delivering a solution. And then if you can validate the market, say, hey, I've got this hypothesis. Well, how can we test and learn a little bit? Are there other people like me who are you know banging our, our heads against this wall? Then you can go out and solve it. That's where the best business ideas lie. So what was kind of what was that transition like from working with working for other companies to saying, hey, I'm going to go be my my own business leader business. I'm going to start a company here like that. Have you had a kind of a business background or anything like this? Or was this just, hey, we're going to go jump off this cliff and see what happens? It is just like that. It's just like jumping off a cliff, you know, taking the entrepreneurial leap. I went to business school right in undergrad. Um, I had worked in, in two bootstrap startups before. So I know kind of, I, I had kind of seen what it was like in practice. And I tell people, you almost learn more about what you shouldn't do than what you should do half the time, right? Uh -huh. uh, and those were valuable lessons. And, and um, you know, I, I mentor a lot of uh, students from my alma mater and I, I coach a lot of first-time entrepreneurs and I tell them, you know, the, the hardest thing is um, knowing when you're ready, right? But there's something in your gut that just tells you, hey, this is the right idea. This is the right time. This is the team. You know, you got to bet on yourself. It's still terrifying, right? I mean, that oh, yeah. first year, there were a lot of sleepless nights. Hey, are we going to make payroll? Are we going to be able to get a product that people are going to want to buy? But um, if, you know, we luckily had done our homework ahead of time, we had kind of tested the idea before, you know, you quit or quit the day job and go full-fledged into, into the idea, and so we were able to validate it. And once we felt like, okay, there's, there's enough here, we can figure out how to, you know, get from point A to point B enough on our own. That's when we took the leap. But the first year is the hardest and it gets easier over time, but there's still challenges, right? And I think you just get better with dealing with the roller coaster uh, and then hopefully are able to let go and enjoy the journey along the way. Yeah. And it, it really is several things there, but yeah, the, the, the roller coaster ride too many times I talk to people it's like, yeah, if we can just get this figured out, we'll be good from here on out. It's like, no, that's just, you got this stage figured out now. Now you got to go to the next phase. Just next, wait next for the next there. curveball. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's never, it's never figured out. It's always an entrepreneurial. It's always a, a learning journey kind of a thing yep. that you're talking about working with, with grad students or whatever. I work with a lot of kids, lower level of grade school kind of stuff. And they're just, Hey, if I can get through graduate high school here, I'm done. I don't have to do any of this learning stuff. I'm more like, no, you're just getting started here. The day you stop learning, you're, you're getting left behind at that point. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's always something new. Yep. So I'm curious, you mentioned a, a business schooling background versus now being business owner. Mm -hmm. How have those lined up? Was it useful expertise there? Or was it a lot of theoretical to now let's figure out how this actually works? It's a little bit of both, to be honest. I'm, I'm grateful that I had the business education. And actually, to give you a little bit of color, so I went to USC. I was originally admitted for film production. And I thought, oh, hey, you know, I'm in LA. I'm going to go work in Hollywood. Um, and uh, was fascinated by film and entertainment. 
uh, also was getting a degree in political science. And that was just kind of a passion. Hey, I love politics. I'm interested in kind of the theory of government. So I was pursuing these kind of very distinct uh, um, career paths. And, and, you know, it was pre-law. I was like, maybe I'll go to law school. Maybe I'll go work in entertainment. And I was interning at our college television station and just fell in love with the business side. I realized I had a knack for organizing people and I liked kind of the, the business elements of film and TV. I wasn't so excited about the creative pieces or the technical elements of filmmaking and editing. I, you know, I liked all those things just fine, but what I really gravitated towards was the business side. And so I said, hey, you know, maybe I should take a, a few business classes and um, ended up switching into that degree program as a junior, so relatively late. So graduated with political science and also with business and just a minor in film. But, you know, I tell people, hey, it's okay to change your mind, right? I thought oh, yeah. here I was set on a path and I, I changed that halfway through and, you know, still was able to graduate on time and all that good stuff. But um, for me, it was really kind of figuring out what did I like? What did I not like? And am I grateful that I had the experience? Absolutely. I think I was a person who didn't go into business courses. You know, I was in classes with freshmen and sophomores who were there saying, you know, hey, this is fun. I'm still figuring out what I want to do. I was there because I knew I wanted to go into business at a certain point. And there were certain classes you know, some of it's a little fluffy, you got the leadership and you've got, you know, other pieces. And then there's the more, you know, I was doing st statistics and getting in the weeds on Excel. And then I was doing project management courses and, um, uh, you know, finance and accounting. And at the time I was like, gosh, I really hate accounting. But when you run your own business, I'm glad I know how to yeah. you know, read a balance sheet and an income statement. And I know, I, you know, I do financial research now um, and, and I'm glad I can read a, a 10K you know, financial report for, for a publicly traded company, all of that has, has given me a great foundation, but really where I learned 90% of the stuff that I do on a day-to-day -day basis is on the job. So yeah. it was those early internships. It was that work experience. And that's what I encourage students. I say, Hey, pay attention in those core classes. That's, that's important. But at the end of the day, the really valuable network, the experience you're going to develop comes from your practical work experience. Yeah, that's, that's what I find a lot is even even the people that do have the MBA background or the business background from the schooling perspective is like, OK, it's it's a whole different animal when you're actually in the midst of it, when you're actually doing it kind of a thing. And a lot of times even still, it's like you talk about your background for more of a film production or whatever. It's they've got their passion of, OK, this is this is what I'm going to go build the business around. And then it's OK. Accounting, I don't, I don't want to do with accounting. I don't want to do with sales. I don't want to do with marketing. I want to go build my passion here. And it's like being at the top of a, a business, all of a sudden you've got to handle all that, like you're saying. So it's, it's, it can be a challenge there, realizing that, okay, there's more to business than, than just your little passion right there. If people think it's really glamorous, right? Especially entrepreneurship. Oh, hey, you know, that we have these icons of Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, and uh, they dropped out of college and created this product that changed the world. And, you know, those are the 0.00001% success stories, right? <laughs> Most startups fail. And I think people still lose sight of that. Um, and it's really challenging. It's not yeah. for everybody. And you will, especially in the early days, spend a lot of time doing things that you are probably not the best person to do that are not very exciting, right? You're the one taking out the trash. You're the one chasing customers, to pay their invoices. You know, you're, you're doing things that you don't necessarily want to be doing, but have to get done. And, and so, it, it, you know, the buck stops at your desk. But as the business grows and as you're able to kind of hand more of that responsibility off, ideally, you are giving more and more responsibility away and then reinventing your job every six to 12 months so that you can spend time on what does the business need next and what am I uniquely challenged or positioned to do? Yeah. So speaking of that, that was kind of where I was heading next. So good, good intro there. But what is, what is the difference in two years ago with uh, the company versus now where you are today? What, what's, what's your role changed in terms of, I don't know that we said, how, how big is Measure Studio now? 
Yeah. So the team across the business is um, about, you know, 25 people. So we're still relatively size, early yeah. stage, long, long, you know, long way to go, but it's a, it's a good size. And for us, you know, the, the role changes constantly. So um, in the early days, we were the ones on the front lines trying to talk to people about what are the solutions that you need, showing them early prototypes and designs, even before we built anything, just, hey, does this look like something that you would use and would solve the problem? And so uh, a lot of that is early market development. It's going to your existing relationships and saying, hey, does this align with your needs? But it was also a lot of thinking about, okay, well, who else do I not know? Who am I not talking to today that could be a potential customer for this product? Is it, you know, esports teams? Is it um, talent management groups? Is it brands? Are, are they the big known enterprise names? Or are they more SMBs, right? So trying to talk to as many different types of customers as possible and then uh, grow from there. So um, over time, you know, my role, I, I'm fortunate to have a, a co-founder is very operationally focused, very product focused. He was driving more of that. And then I was spending more time on strategy and business development and partnerships, and then increasingly more marketing, right? How do we tell our story? How are we very succinct in our message? Are there bigger partnership opportunities that we can pursue? So you have to kind of think about, okay, we've, we've kind of cleared this, this gate, this hurdle has been, you know, crossed. What is the next step and where should I be spending my time to add the most value to the business? Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And it's really to that point, identifying where strengths and weaknesses are that, okay, I, you may not necessarily have the strength right there in, in the accounting or in the numbers or whatever. And then having that partner or even from a delegation standpoint, because if you're at 25, I'm, a, I'm assuming you're not doing everything in, in the business anymore. So you, you're, you figured out how to, how to hand off some of that to the rest of your team and really build out the team at that point. So. Yeah. What was kind of the catalyst? And granted, you came from the other other software companies. So did you start in with pulling people from that resources or did you or was Measure Studio really a, a ground zero up? Yeah, no, we definitely uh, were borrowing resources in the early days as it was kind of a Skunk Works project. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of kind of that validation. Right. So it was saying, OK, what are what are the existing solutions out there and what kind of came back is on the low end, people are doing everything in native platform analytics. And those range, right? YouTube is very robust. Facebook is okay. You can kind of get by. Instagram is extremely limited. TikTok, you know, others are some, almost non-existent. So we were kind of canvassing the landscape and saying, okay, what do you get from these platforms? What can we enhance, right? Can we give you, you know, we'll save your stories forever. We can give you time series data for Instagram. We can put everything in one environment. So it's not just living in silos anymore. You actually have consolidated data. So, you know, okay, this asset that I pushed out on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, how did it perform across platforms and where is my audience? Where do I lean into creating more content? Then we automate, automatically benchmark all of the posts so we can show you, hey, across all the content you've ever released, these types of posts do the best. So how do you make more content like that? And then conversely, hey, this, some, this piece is just not really performing well, especially maybe in an early window. So we're looking at the first 24, 48, 72 hours and giving you hourly data so you can make decisions. You can say, hey, this isn't working, let's take it down and retool it. Or, you know, this um, has kind of a mediocre start, let's put a little paid media behind it to make sure it gets out there to the audience we wanna see it. So um, that was what we were seeing on the low end. On the high end, big media companies and brands were out building their own internal solutions. They had data teams, they were licensing really robust um, business intelligence solutions like Domo or Tableau, which are awesome tools, don't get me wrong, but they're very expensive and difficult to implement and maintain. And we said, okay, there's, there's a market in between here. There's a gap where we can serve at reasonable price points for everybody to simplify this process and give you digestible social media data at your fingertips. 
Yeah, no, it makes sense. And yeah, it's, it's always a case of finding that market. And really, to me, that's the benefit these days of technology is that you can go quickly prototype and do things real fast and test that market without spending a whole bunch of R&D dollars kind of a thing, building out a massive product suite and then figure out, oh, we kind of missed the mark there. And that's that's that can be a challenge in other industries. But yeah, especially with the software these days, even if it's even if you're not a software company, and hey, we want to go build an app or something like that. It's real quick and easy to prototype and, and be doing some of that initial homework right there without wasting the resources. Even just 10, 20 years ago, the type of stuff that we do today wouldn't be possible, right? If you wanted to yeah. build a website, um, very few people had the skills or domain knowledge to do that. Now anyone can go to WordPress or Wix and kind of spin up a site pretty easily. If you wanted to uh, launch a, a technology business like ours, you'd have to stand up your own servers and do your own hosting. Now we've got solutions like Heroku and AWS and Azure and Google Cloud, right? That, that has transformed the, the uh, time it takes to build a startup. You can launch a tech business you know, in a week, right? You don't have to have all the infrastructure. You can go and, and source those components. And thus it's lowered the barriers to entry. There are much lower costs and risk now inherent in building a tech company. There definitely is from that standpoint, but at the same time, I'd almost say that's a, a detriment too, because it's so easy to get in there. And honestly, even with those systems, go spend a bunch of money on infrastructure and build things up. And it's like, okay, it's still got to have the fundamentals of a business on top of it. You still got to know how to manage people. You still got to have a strategy going forward. You've got to have a vision for the business, things like that, that just because your, your cost of entry or your barrier of entry there is a little bit lower, it almost makes it in some respects, too easy kind of a thing that I've, I've heard of a lot of people getting into businesses like that and then realizing, again, that they're a tech person. We're going to go build a software platform and, OK, how are we going to monetize this? How are we actually going to turn it into a business? But it was really easy to build the software platform in the first place. Yeah. No, you have to come up with really defensible moats, right? What are the things that are unique value differentiators for our customers so we can super serve them and protect ourselves against the threat of future competition, right? I mean, just getting a head start and having more money than someone isn't enough anymore. You have to provide a really differentiated product and experience. And so that's what, you know, we were laser focused on the early days of Measure Studio. There are so many existing social media solutions out there, whether they're social listening tools or public analytics solutions, publishing workflow tools. We wanted to very clearly say, we're not any of those things. We are going to super serve this data analytics segment because we feel like it's not represented in the market today. How can we be the best at that? What are the unique points of differentiation we can bring to the table and the boats that we can build to protect what we're building long-term? Yeah, I was just talking with a, actually an IT services, managed services provider the other day. And it was like, okay, there's you can find a managed services provider on virtually every corner these days. How are you going to be different? What What's your three differentiators here to say, okay, what's the difference that you're going to make to your customer? And why is your customer going to one, stay with you or two, find you in the first place that out of the, out of the crowded landscape. And that's really, that applies across any industry at that point is a, a law firm. Okay. There's, there's law firms everywhere. Why, why are you any different kind of a thing here? And, and hopefully it's not the, the late night infomercial that sets you apart, but still it's like, okay, well, what makes you different? Mm -hmm. So Especially now when things can change on a dime, right? In the pandemic, we've seen how quickly businesses grow and, and wither away just because the macroeconomic landscape has changed. It really is. And it's it's been interesting to watch because obviously certain industries were pretty hard hit kind of a thing just from the, the nature of the pandemic. But it's even still within other industries, you'd see certain businesses thriving and other businesses collapsing at that point. And at least to me, from the bit of data that I had kind of a thing looking at that, it was just purely how well built was the, the business in the first place? Do you have the data at hand to say, okay, where can we cut? What do we need to adjust? What's going on in our business to make informed decisions? Or are you in a 
panicked flight fight or flight kind of mode of oh well we have to lay everybody off panic this is done shut it down kind of a thing there so it's it's interesting seeing the business mentality come into that and say okay how well grounded were you in the first place very true so what has speaking of that then what 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 impact has that had or has it had any impact on you guys for the last two years here since you're starting before the pandemic but still Right in the middle of it now, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? And, and I think, all things considered, we probably would have launched sooner, but obviously it just didn't feel right with the, the situation um, to launch. We, we, you know, it was a good thing to have more time to kind of get things right. Um, and so, you know, look, I think in the early days of the pandemic, everyone was kind of trying to figure out where does this land, right? How can we as a business recover? What are the things that are, are going to be enduring impacts or, or what do we need to change? We absolutely went through the same, you know, exercise and then uh, things for the social media space. Fortunately, we've been, you know, really lucky in that we're all able to work remotely without, without much trouble. Um, our customers are doing very well. Business on social media is exploding as we're all stuck at home, spending more time on our phones and watching Netflix and everything else, right? The only, the only path now is, is social content. So we've seen sharp increases in, in time spent online and, and that's ultimately uh, been, you know, a, a net positive thing for the business. And we, you know, we feel fortunate for that. So we've just been trying to lean into those trends and the acceleration of, of online activity to make sure that our customers have the tools they need to, to be successful um, in this new landscape. Yeah. And it's, and it's really watching those trends is, is critical there because, okay, you can start seeing, obviously the trends in social media are the trends from one platform to another. I know again, getting too old here, Facebook's declining kind of a thing, TikTok, et cetera, is fading up kind of a thing. So if you can keep your business in line to say, hey, yeah, we need to start looking at these new platforms. Maybe we don't need to invest a lot in them yet because they haven't taken off quite to that point yet, but still have them on the radar and and feel control your product direction or your, your focus at that point just by watching some of those trends come up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we tell brands and agencies all the time, you don't need to be on every platform, right? You need to find where does your audience already spend time and make sure you're creating content that is specific to those platforms, that is specific to those interests. So, um, you know, there's so many platforms out there these days, you need to really kind of pick and choose your battles, focus on the platforms that make sense for the type of content, the type of audience you want to reach. And then, uh, you know, I, I do encourage people to experiment with new platforms. If you feel like your audience is getting in early on Clubhouse or on new short form um, video apps or, uh, you know, things like that, then absolutely test it out, right? Find a way that you can start small and, and see if it's successful for you. And if so, keep going. And if not, you know, uh, you can learn from that and move on, but definitely keep that experimental mindset. Yeah. And that's, that's really, to me, again, that's, that's almost the nature of a growth oriented or an entrepreneurial kind of business is you've always got that that experimental mindset that, okay, what's, what's next, what's being adjusted, what do we need to move? And it's, it's almost kind of the turning point, especially on a larger company when they hit the corporate stage of just saying, okay, this is just who we are. This is, we're on the, the one track moving forward. We're not going to venture from it. We're not going to vary from it or whatever. And it's, you lose that entrepreneurial kind of mindset at that point. It's just like, okay, where's, where's the fun out of that? So. Yeah. And you got to keep it fun, right? I mean, most startups take years and years to build. So if you're not enjoying it, right, it's going to be a, a long ride. You need to make sure that you, know, you find a way to, to make sure that you are challenged, that you are you know, intellectually stimulated and rewarded by the journey that you're on. So surround yourself with great people, make sure you're, you're building a product that matters to you. And, and that's the key to success. Yeah. And it, it really, I like saying that there, I like hearing you guys say that because it goes back to that culture or that passion of the organization is why are we here? It's like, are you out there just to be another tech company or are you out there to go solve a specific problem kind of a thing? I always like going back to the 
the the JFK story back in uh, pre moon landing or whatever to where JFK's out walking through the hallways of, of NASA touring it. And he comes across a janitor there that's sweeping the floor and asks the janitor just conversational. What, what do you do here? What's your role? And the janitor responds that, Hey, I'm, I'm helping put a man on the moon. It's not that he's cleaning up the, the idiot mess who spilled the coffee or whatever there. He, he sees a bigger purpose to that. And there's a lot more buy into that with your team at that point, because you've got something there to be excited about. They want to be part of that and then hopefully go along with you right there rather than just being, another job, another tech company, another software company, That's whatever right. it is. Life's too short. Yeah. So having fun with it is, is definitely a big part of it. And having that passion, and that goal, really, because to me, that goes back to the, why are you in business? Was it just to have a business or is this really to go make a difference somewhere? Yeah. What's the motivation for you? I'm curious, you know, what has been, uh, you know, the inspiration to be an entrepreneur and, and run your own company? Well, it actually, talking about your your transition, I actually made a, a complete transition shift in my business three plus years ago, four years ago now, that I was very, I, we mentioned beforehand, I was very much on the software, the tech side, and kept working with companies that were looking at technology to solve business problems, really. It was the, I always had this one CEO that came to me and said, hey, we want to go implement Salesforce. And he heard about it, talked about it for his buddy on the golf course, kind of a thing there, that our sales numbers are down, we need Salesforce. So we went through all the process, all the implementation, all the training, everything that went on there. And then, of course, he comes back three months later and all upset because his sales numbers didn't go up. It's like, no, <laughs> That's you not didn't have a fix the root problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now that was actually one of my transition points there to say, hey, yeah, let's let's actually solve the root issues here. Solve what's going on in business, because yep. even to your point with a you can go build a great technology platform. But if you don't have the, the fundamentals of business, if you don't have the structure of business, it's going to be short lived at least, or you're not going to, if, if the, the influencer side, Hey, I'm going to go dump a bunch of money into whatever the social media platform is. And maybe it takes off great. But again, if you can't deliver the service or deliver on what you promised via that advertising vehicle, huge waste of waste of investment at that point. Yeah. Cause I was always look at businesses to say, okay, you got a complete flow of process through it. You got sales and marketing, you got operations, you got finance. If we're doing great in, marketing here on 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 pick your social media platform but we can't deliver the service or we can't collect on the back end for the service you're just wasting all those resources wasting all that fun you got or wasting all that money right there you got to build up all levels of that business at once so yeah so appreciate the 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 time and everything here we're actually get to that point but i always like coming back and kind of wrapping things up with um one simple question just say hey if you had known things two years ago or five years ago with the other company to say, hey, if I just knew this or if I'd just done this earlier, gotten whatever the case may be, will anything come to, to mind there? Probably a hundred things. There's always yeah. you know, stuff that's you can go back and, and do a little bit better. But yeah, I guess the one that's kind of top of mind for me today is we should have just invested so much more in marketing in the early days, right? It's so important to tell your story. Uh, it's it's so critical to you know build a, a strong brand and, and clarify what your message is, get it out to the world. And for us, right, we work in the business of social media marketing. So it's funny, right? It's a bit of those like, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes kind of thing. Yep. It's, the thing you do always seems to be somehow your, your weakness as well. But it's something we've, we've addressed and, you know, we use the data now to understand, okay, what can we do to improve, you know, whether it's website traffic or overall awareness and, and conversion. So we're constantly, you know, measuring and looking to improve on that. But I would say, especially for, for early entrepreneurs, you know, you got to you nail the products and you got the operations and the finance side and the sales piece. All of those elements are so important, but make sure to very clearly define what is my brand identity and the vision and the, the marketing messaging up front. 
how am I telling my story? What channels do I need to be across to reach my audience? That is so important. And it's become evident for us time and time again, that that is now very much where we're spending a lot of our focus. Yeah, no, because I, I and I identify with that real well. I was I did an IT company many years back kind of a thing. And we were big on the IT front. We were big on solutions, et cetera. Not so much on the marketing. It was like, okay, you got a great infrastructure. You invested a whole bunch of this infrastructure to build it up, but there's nobody there to buy it because mm-hmm. nobody knows about you. It's, it's like I said, it's real easy to start a business these days, but it's if, if you're not if you're not out there having the exposure, then there's not going to be much of a business there for long. Exactly. The, the landscape's just so crowded. Yep. You got to make time for it and it'll pay dividends, right? It'll feel at, at the at the outset like this is a lot of work. It's challenging, right? How do we get people's attention? But um, you, you just got to keep building the flywheel and investing resources because over time, that is what is going to help set you up for success. Yeah, no, it really will. So I'm glad, excited that you're as far along as you are already with Measure Studio and yeah. definitely glad to keep an eye on it here. Or happy to keep an eye on it here and see how things go in the next few years. That's we Thanks, Jeff. Get a little bit out from this pandemic. Yeah, really appreciate that. No, we, uh, we're, we're, it's, it's a joy for us to be able to help people really crack the nut on what's working, what's not working on social and, and be able to change their workflows, save them time, help them create better content and move the needle in terms of viewership and audience and everything else. So uh, excited to keep building and certainly a lot more to do. Yeah. And it's definitely a challenging, challenging area for sure for a lot of people. So if they're interested in finding out more about you or about Measure Studio, where's the, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah. Check out our website, measure.studio. Easy enough. You can sign up for a free two-week trial if you want to take it for a spin. We'd love to hear the feedback. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn is the best way to find me. So James Creech on LinkedIn and other social platforms, but always love connecting with new people and helping out where I can. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. We'll have all the links right here below. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks again, Jeff. Pleasure to be here and chat with you today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for coming on for spending a few minutes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.